welcome to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now, podcasting from the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center in Chicagoland, here are your hosts, Ed Stetzer and Daniel Yang. Hey, thanks for joining us for this week's episode of the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast. This week, we're continuing our conversation with Beth Moore. Beth is a Bible teacher with a speaking ministry that's taken her across the nation, challenging thousands of people. She lives in Houston, Texas, where she leads Living Proof Ministries, and Beth's written multiple best-selling books in Bible studies. Her latest is co-authored with her daughter, Melissa, and is entitled, Now That Faith Has Come, A Study of Galatians. We concluded last week's episode with Beth sharing how much she enjoyed writing her new Bible study in Galatians with her daughter, Melissa. This week's episode picks up that thread, and we go on to ask Beth how studying Galatians impacted her personally, particularly when it comes to recent decisions she's made. Uh, it sounds like, I, I mean, it's a very personal process, I mean, especially to yes. have Melissa right alongside of you. And I bet you a lot of our listeners are, you know, they're pastors, communicators, they can really relate to you uh, as they're writing or creating something they're impacted by it. And I, this is more of a personal question. hope you don't mind. But oh, please, please. During the writing of, of this book, I mean, uh, there's probably lots going on. You've made a lot of decisions. Yes. And I'm, I'm curious how writing uh, this study on Galatians, how that impacted you personally and the decisions you've made recently. Well, I'll, I'll tell you that there is a zone to write in. I've tried to explain this to to a few other writers. There is an amount of pain that is so excruciating that it shuts down the writing. It just shuts it down. And it's also too, too bloody really to pin permanently. But then there is just being relatively comfortable. And so that really is not great for a pen either. And by a pen, I mean what goes on paper in in a book or, or curriculum. But if you're in between where there is enough pain, where the words that you're sharing, the words on the sacred page are life to you, where honestly, you're making it on those words. So you're not shut down, but you're not also in such a comfortable situation that you've got nothing relevant to say, but that every word you're writing about, every word that you're sharing with that participant is like like life to you and like, like fresh cells in the marrow of your bones. That is a sweet spot. And that is true whether it's a regular book or curriculum, that's the place because that's the place where you're going to have empathy. That's the place where you're gonna have compassion. That's the place that keeps you real. And so Daniel, I mean, we were going through such a rough time. One of the things that I think almost across the board that most writers would be able to say is that the pandemic made it extremely hard to write. You would think we were all home and it should have been the easiest thing. It's not true. It was so burdensome, so so worrisome. Um, We gain a lot of energy from one another, from living life, from being out there. And it just was, if if I may say so, maybe I'll just speak for a lot of people I know, it was a a depressing time. And so it wasn't 
the best situation to write in. So we had to fight really, really hard against what would have been, you know, our insides would have just gone give up. But the words were so relevant. And it also, yes, it gave me the courage enough to know that I needed to stand steadfastly. And please understand, I what I'm going to say is that where I landed was true to my convictions in Christ. As I understand the word and as I seek in a very wobbly way to walk with the Lord Jesus uh, day to day, but in the midst of those things, will I get a ton of things wrong? Yes, absolutely, I will. But where I felt like I was landing on some of these things, uh, Galatians was very affirming. And it was like, oh, yeah. stand and don't, don't let go and don't back off. You just, you stand here and you just keep pointing back over and over again, the fruit of the spirit. You can tell a tree by its fruit not by its mouth, but its fruit. You can, if, if it's bad fruit, something's wrong somewhere and just stand there, stand there, stand there, uh, no matter what it takes. And one of the things that helped me and you guys will know this, um, and I'll say again, Ed, you're behind me in age. And then Daniel is way behind us, us. way behind us. Also, you know, when you're as old as I am and you have this, you've known of Jesus all your life, began to know him in childhood. For me, it was around nine. I'm just, I'm not bailing uh, this late. You know, I've said so many times, you know, I'm too old to bully and too young to quit. And I really do feel that way. I'm just, bullying has really worked for me in the past, but it's not, I just am too old for it now. It just doesn't work on me anymore. And um, I just want to hang in there with yeah. Jesus and make it to the finish line. Well, and um, I, you are hanging in there with Jesus and you are, and I love that about you. And I love that you're engaged in the word of God. Uh, you didn't hang in on our mutual denomination. Um, and, you know, so I'm I'm in the denomination you left and recognize some of the fruit of the spirit concerns, some of the some of the legalism description resonates in the world in which I live. And yes. and, uh, and and I would say, too, a lot of people are going to be in situations like that, not that they're questioning the authority and errancy of Scripture, not that they're questioning what it means to even their views of different might even be controversial issues, but they're in a place that just seems unhealthy. And um, what, so what advice, you know, I don't know, we don't have to, you've, you've spoken on these issues. We don't have to rehash things you haven't spoken on, but what advice would you give to people who are still in contexts, perhaps like I am, where, and again, I'm at Wheaton College, so it's a little different, but, but I'm still connected with the denomination. What advice would you give to us? Because, I mean, you were very affirming after the SBC executive committee yes. uh, reversed. Um, Absolutely. And, 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 you know, you were very kind online um, Ed, and a lot of people because, are still there. Because if I am going to be vocal in criticism, uh, when by conviction, I'm at a place where I not, not only disagree, I've, we all disagree about a lot of things, 
But when we feel like it's not just a matter of disagreement, but it is a matter of disagreeing over something that is of heavy influence in the church, that's, that's why it's worth uh, public engagement at times is when you're going like, whoa, this is big. This is big because so many people are under the influence of it. Um, so that is what makes it different. But yes, because I was public in, in disagreeing with how it had been handled, it was imperative. I didn't think twice about it. It would get back on there and say, man, you did the right thing here and way to go. And not only it, but Ed, but let me tell you, it also was very redemptive to me. Let me tell you, let me try to put this into can, can words. I, I, I didn't give full context, just so people know. So the executive committee of the Southern Baptist Convention voted to reverse, and, well, I don't know, they, they passed basically saying waiving privilege yes. in a sexual abuse investigation that both Beth and I were publicly calling for. And that's that's just so in case people didn't know what the context was. And, yeah. and we both were glad that happened. But go ahead and, and keep, it took keep and going. it took weeks. And, you know, yeah. my, my thing was in, in a world where in a church world where not once had they in, in this level, what I'm talking about denominationally, not once had they the, the victims and survivors been put first yeah. that to just put them first. It's not that it wasn't costly and that I couldn't regard the cost when they were talking about, well, what, what do we do with insurance? And this is all more than people want to know, but I'm simply saying that to me, it was like, you know what? They have never once been put first in these conversations where their lives were deeply, yes. deeply uh, cut and brutalized and scarred. And it was like, it's time. This is where Jesus would stand. And I just believed that so strongly, but yes, I was very, very thankful. And what I was going to tell you, it also was very redemptive to me. I got to, I, I want, I hope somebody hears this that has not quite understood this. You need to understand something. I, I had this argument with a number of guys from that world. I say guys, because those were most of the ones that really Probably fought publicly sure. yeah. with me. But, you know, I, I said a couple of times, I, I loved the SBC more than you did. And yeah. I, you know, I'll, I'll sort of stand with that. And by that, I mean, I fought so hard because it was like, oh, no, no, no. This is not who we are. This is not who we are. This is not who I was taught uh, as a young servant in the church that we were, oh, no, 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 this is not. So I thought I wanted to fight for it. I didn't always do that well. You know, I'm a very flawed person, but um, it it has been uh, like a death. Um, it I loved the SBC. It was my whole heritage. It was my foremost identity, and I say that uh, my identity is in Christ, but if I were going to try to describe myself to someone to try to get them to understand not only that I'm a Christian, but this is the way I think that I'm going to really prioritize the word of God, the authority of the word of God. I'm going to prioritize missions, all the things that were like, I mean, Ed and Daniel, I knew the Great Commission by the time I was three. I knew hmm. I was praying for missionaries before I was 
you know, thigh high to my teacher. And so this was so much my life um, and so much of my heritage and so much of my identity. I would have said, well, you know, I'm I'm a Southern Baptist. And then to just like, whoa. Uh, So what I need you to understand is that this was not a loss of love. Um, It was a loss of belonging. Mm -hmm. It was facing up to the fact that somehow I, I don't, I no longer belong. And, you know, I, it began instantly, instantly Mm -hmm. with speaking out back in the fall of 2016. It was, it was, it was overnight. It was overnight. And the loss of those women just last night, I got a text from one of my coworkers and it was just the neatest picture. I, I taught for so many years at, uh, on Tuesday nights, uh, at Houston's first Baptist church. I, I still love that church so much. Uh, listen, that church good to me. So I want to make absolutely sure that I say that, but, uh, taught Tuesday nights so long, a very citywide interdenominational Bible study. And she sent me a picture, a couple of pictures of, of, of one of the Tuesday nights. And it was just, it was just, you know, packed. They all had out their maps. We were all in the throes of Bible study together. And, and I, I wept and I wept and I wept because that has, had been so much of the life that I had lived. And I still, that is my life. That is my life, but that I was right in the center of so much Southern Baptist life. And, um, I just, oh, I just cried and cried, uh, looking Mm. at it. So it's been Mm. a, I just love, you know, I, I love their women. And, you know, the thing of it is, I've said this over and over again, and I felt like this was the straw that broke the camel's back for me. It was, yeah. to me, it's the dumbest thing. It's when I, I stupidly said something online to somebody else about speaking on Mother's Day at, um, at my church. And I could never, you know, I would have known that it would have annoyed somebody, but that's not what happened. It dropped like a bomb, like a bomb, like a bomb. And um, this was just a couple of years ago. And what I felt and continue to feel happened at that time. And that was the end for me. And this was two years ago. It's when I let Lifeway know with a very broken heart because I loved them so much and would never have left Lifeway, Mm. never under any other conditions. Uh, When I let them know that I would be leaving and we decided to walk it out uh, quietly until the right time. But um, I felt that many bore false witness because it was, it sounded like I had, it was like, she's led the women astray. It was like, wait, whose pulpit have I ever, you know me better than yeah, this. Exactly. You knew, but you know, this isn't yeah. true. You know, I have never tried to be a senior pastor. I have never been a minister at a church. No, I've never been on my payroll experience at First Baptist was teaching aerobics. So (laughs) this is how much I was really going for the top spots at um, at my church. It just wasn't true. And I had never the women that I had taught for so long and had gone through Bible study with raised my children with got to see their children come up in the scriptures. They knew better than that. They did not think that they couldn't have 
I never, I just never taught it. It was not even anything that I, that I wanted. And yet it was, uh, this is what, this is what she's going for. It wasn't true. And, um, and it was very widespread and it broke my heart. Um, no, it, it was, I think, I think we all saw that. And, and yeah. it was the kind of the situation where in unhealthy organizations, people don't just disagree. They have to destroy. They have and, to destroy. Yeah. yeah. So, so my question for you is, okay. Cause you have, you know, it's, it was on the, I texted you when you were on the front page of USA today <laughs> and the New York times at the same time, which is pretty like, wow. Well, but, who doesn't um, have something better to read than that is what I, I simply want to say is when that's yeah. news, I just don't, I don't know what to say. Well, Beth, Beth Moore, you're kind of a big deal. You have many leather bound books oh, in your office, Smells of listen. Rich Mahogany. But we, we I listen again, but no, here's the question I want to ask though, because you left and, and, I, and I get it. We, we talked through this. Um, my question for you is how would you advise those who have stayed into a situation and it doesn't just have to be, you mentioned Southern Baptist, but it could, I mean, they're right now, all yes. denominations are just internally at yes, war, uh, often over some of the issues we talked about earlier, Absolutely. where they just seem whole segments been, been you know, just driven to new heights of anger and more. So what advice would you give? Because I don't think anyone's I, asked you this before. What I, advice would you give? I'd love to, to do those that. I'd love stay, to do that. Please. Because I, I want people to know, I'm going to make up a word here. I'm a stayer. I, I hope that that is obvious. And I, I love to laugh and say, listen, I haven't been married to Keith Moore for 43 years because I can't kiss and make up. I mean, I, I'm, I'm enduring and long friendships. I can, I can work through conflict. I was raised in a large family, Ed. You're not, you're not in a big family free for all where you don't know how to get to the other side. That's just, I, I can fight and make up. But um, what, what I would say is this is where Paul would say it in Galatians. So I'm going to take it right back to this. Yeah, please. Walk in the spirit, keep step with the spirit. This is what we'd see. He talks, listen, a fascinating study would just be the Holy spirit, the theology of the Holy spirit in the book of Galatians. It's just so intriguing. Hmm. And he brings such um, a, a different uh, perspective to it, but walk in it, keep step with it. Here's what I would say to you. And what was true for me, because people said to me two years before I did step away, people were going, why do you stay? And they would just say openly, and I knew better than this, but I did also know they had a point. They said, so many of them hate you. Why do you stay? And I was like, you know, I just, I had not been led of the spirit to do that. I just said, no, I was going to stay and fight for it. I absolutely was going to. So I didn't step out a moment before I felt like God went, mm. go, right, go. And sometimes I'm going to, no one wants to see a woman my age cry. No one. So I'm not going to do it, but I, I will fight a lump in my throat uh, to say this. Sometimes you leave because you love a people. And it is, I've not, I've not put it in these words before, not publicly, but I, I think that I stand by it enough to go ahead and say it this way. Sometimes it is an act of protest that you say, this is not the SBC that I knew. This is not what God, I believed, I believed and I believed a lot of you 
and I believed your motive was pure toward uh, issues, say, for instance, in regard to women. I thought this was all about scripture, and it proved not to always be all about scripture. And it was a way to say, in effect, please, I beg you, prove me wrong. Mm-hmm. Please do. Please, please. And sometimes you have to do something a little shocking to make a point um, in, in being led by the spirit. And it just was time to go. I, I'm, as I said, I'm a stayer. I would tell you, man, you don't, we, we're called to our churches. I I believe that Ed and Daniel, I, I bet you do too, that God calls us to a place and we ride this ride. Uh, we're, we don't just leave to go. We're not consumers, um, in the church. We stay, we invest our lives in it. We work through conflict. If we're there long enough, we probably work through a couple of different pastors that have shepherded that congregation. Maybe we liked one better than we liked the other, but, but we stay, we, we invest our lives. But so we, so there comes a time though, that we have to be very awake to the leadership of the spirit. When is it time to go? And I knew that it was time. And not only from my standpoint, but I had the chance to sit up front. I've also never, never told this that I can, can recall publicly. I had two occasions to sit up front at some really large SBC gatherings and to look out. And I knew, I knew from their faces that a lot of them no longer saw me as one of them. I knew I was not, I knew I, I did not feel welcome. And I know there would be many exceptions to that, but oh, it's quite, quite painful. So I say, you know, I believe in staying, I believe in fighting for something, but I am going to tell you this. If you have a gifting that cannot possibly be used where you worship, then you're going to have to work that out with Jesus, mm-hmm. whether that happens in a, you know, outside the church or whatever. But this, I can tell you, I believe this to the death that sons and daughters of God in Christ Jesus are called to spread the gospel. I believe that with all of my heart in the home and outside the home. Women are spiritually gifted the same as men, even if uh, our roles may differ. We may have distinctions, but we better figure out how is it we are going to serve, not just consume. How is it we're going to serve? And is there any place to do that? And I'll tell you all this, if y'all will give me this 60 seconds to say it, because I don't get many chances to say it. One of the things that has concerned me most with believing that there was an extremely hard pull to the far right where there was going to be less and less for women to do and where it was getting more and more the norm that the only thing a woman really was called to do that was blessed by God in the church was in the context of the traditional family. And I don't know what that does 
I love the family. I love my role as wife. I love my role as mother. But I'm going to ask you, what in the world are you going to do with 10,000 single men and women? It just like this, the, there's, this just does not make sense. It just does not make sense that this can be, that the, yes, this is a very strong context. It's not the only one. We have, uh, we, we have calling whether inside or outside that home, whether men or women, uh, you're in this that you don't wipe out half the gospel force. Mm. Mm. Amen. These are really, really sacred stories uh, that you're sharing. And thank you so much for that, Beth. Um, some of our listeners uh, are listening. And as we wrap up right now, and many of them feel under the weight of law, uh, some of the things that you described here, they, they feel so much of that. Uh, how would, as we conclude here, can you speak to them from the book of Galatians, from what you've experienced, um, a word of hope? Give them the gospel, I guess. Oh, I would, I would be so pleased to, that whoever you are, you are in Christ, and he really does have the plan. He really does know what he's called you to. He really is going to walk you through, not instantly, but it, we're on a journey with him. We're walking in the spirit with Christ, and he is going to lead you to what he has called you to do. And so I, you persevere. This is what we do. We're in this thing and we endure. One of the things you see constantly in uh, Paul is just the pure perseverance of him to say, this is worth everything to us. This is worth everything that this calling of ours, that we, that the world has been crucified to me through the cross and I to the world. And that this thing, this thing we're living, we live by faith in the son of God and that he, he will lead you. He does care. He does not see you as less than anyone else he has called to be his own. He, you are so precious and so dear to him. And he will, and he's going to be creative very often in the way that he does it, but he'll get you where you need to be. You trust him. Very often, Daniel, I want to make sure that we've said this because some, there's all, often more at stake in do I leave and do I, do I, or do I stay in a situation? There's often more to it than just my preference. We have families, we have kids that are involved in their student ministries and all of these things going on. But this is where you hash this out with Jesus himself where you walk with him, where you're prayerful, uh, where you listen to his leadership and see when he is going to lead you to the right or lead you to um, the left in your journey. And he's gonna be faithful to you. He, I tell young people as often as they'll listen, he is going to be so faithful to you. Amen, amen. You've been listening to Beth Moore, co-author of Now That Faith Has Come, a study. I'm just not used to her being the co-author. That's so cool. Isn't that fun? With her fun. daughter, Melissa. I love Melissa. <laughs> and you can learn more about Beth and find uh, her new Galatians study at 
LPROOF stands for livingproof.org. Thanks again for listening to the Setzer Church Leaders podcast. You can find more interviews as well as other great content for ministry leaders at churchleaders.com. If you found our conversation helpful today, we'd love for you to go over to iTunes and leave us a review, and that'll help other leaders find our content more easily. You can find this podcast as well as other great Christian-based podcasts on the Faith Play app, available for both Apple and Android. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you in the next episode. You've been listening to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast. For more great interviews, as well as articles, videos, and free resources, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.